up on that, and as uh, we've been in, in this series, I've been asking you to send me your questions, and I've had quite a number of questions that have come in specifically about the Holy Spirit. And so each week I've taken and answered one question that I feel like is one that I should answer. And uh, so I'm going to start this week, and so, but if you have a question about the Holy Spirit, we're going to wrap this series up next week, and uh, so I'll be doing the last installment of the Powerless series, and then we're kicking into another series in June called Even If, that I'm pretty excited about. And, um, you know, that's one that's been in my heart. It was, uh, you know, the Lord drops different things. It's number two on the list of things that were in my heart to preach. And so uh, the number one is coming in September. And I've never been this planned out in my life on sermons. Usually I'm like, I don't know what I'm preaching next week. So this is like a whole new thing for me. And, uh, but if you have a question, uh, I have an idea of the question I'm answering next week, but if you send a better one in, I'll answer yours. And, uh, and so that number is up here on the screen. Hopefully it'll come up here in a second for you. And uh, it's, so you can text it. That'll come straight to me. And, uh, but the question that I was, it was actually, this one was sent a couple weeks ago. And it comes actually, it's a scripture that comes out of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. And it, the scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so somebody asked the question and it says, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And so the word grieve means to make uneasy or to make one uneasy, to be in heaviness or to offend. I don't think I have to define being offended because I think we all have opportunities to get offended, right? And so I think we know what that means. But, you know, the Bible does talk about this. And so the question is, is <clears throat> how do we offend the Holy Spirit? That's really a, the more important question because the whole point of this series is that, and we'll look at this here in a few minutes, is that without the Holy Spirit's influence in our life, we are actually just left to ourselves, and we really are powerless to do what God has called us, created us, and gifted us to do. And so, but, uh, so the question becomes, if I need the Holy Spirit, then I need the Holy Spirit. So if I need him, then how do I keep him in full operation in my life? And, there are, and we play a part in that uh, because we have a cooperation with the person of the Holy Spirit, God's influence in our life daily, all the time. And we have influences and things that come in. And so I want to read another scripture to you. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read a portion of scripture here. And then I'm going to give some context to it. But starting in verse 14, he says, gives us the instructions. And he says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. He says, how can righteousness be a partner with, with, with wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? It says, um, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? And can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Verse 16, it says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? That's a key verse right there. Just keep that in mind. It says, for we are the temple of the living God. And this is what's in the Old Testament, but yet he brings it back up here reminding us. And he says that God declared, I will live in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17 says, therefore, come out from among them as unbelievers. Now, this is not talking about in a physical sense, like we're not trying to go create some Christian neighborhood somewhere where we're all going to go live and we're going to be in our little bubble. And that's not, that's not what it's talking about. I'll give you some context. And he says this, he says, and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. It says, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and my daughters. And it says, because we have these great and precious promises, this is actually now chapter 7 and verse 1. He says, dear friends, let us 
cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit and let us work towards complete holiness as we fear the Lord. Now, this last part here, because there, there are several times here where it talks about separating ourselves or, or, or distinguishing ourselves is actually a better word. And, and what it's really talking about is not so much about um, where we are as much as who we are. This last part here, it says that we are to cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles our body or our spirit man, our spirit life. And so kind of bringing back full circle, what, how, or how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? It's when we live in ways that do not bring honor and glory to God. And so it, look, none of us will ever be perfect. None of us. Perfection, I don't even know if it's the goal if you know it's impossible, but this is a goal that I do know is possible, is I want to be better. I want to be better than I was last week. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better follower of Christ. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better friend. I want to grow and I want to have better character in my life and who I am. Why? Because I want to be shaped into the image of Christ. And, as, and if I do that, and here's the thing, and this is, let me give you kind of a natural example. If I knowingly sinned against my wife repeatedly, do you think she's going to get tired and frustrated? Yes. Why? Because I knowingly am doing things against her. Well, the same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. It's not about the sins that I don't recognize. It's the thing that he speaks to me about and I ignore him on repeatedly, time after time after time. That, that, and what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit, his voice becomes quiet, just like my wife's does. Right? At some point, I have to quit saying I'm sorry to her and I have to start to change. Right? And the same is true even when our relationship with the Lord, with, with, with the work of the Holy Spirit. At some point, I have to stop just repenting. And look, God is always faithful and just to forgive us. But that doesn't mean that we're going to walk in the freedom and the life that God has for us if we knowingly, willingly stay put. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. That's not at all what I'm saying. But we have to be putting forth the effort. And here's the thing. Let me remind you. You are powerless to change yourself that's why we're doing this series so how do i not grieve the holy spirit we have to cooperate with him and his help in our life so that we can develop so that we can mature so that we can grow into the image of christ and it's impossible to do this without the work and the help of the holy spirit in our lives and so this morning i want to recap a little bit on just a couple of things that I've been sharing with you, and this kind of ties in with what I was just sharing with you, but I've shared this statement with you before, is that Jesus saves us, but it's our cooperation with the Holy Spirit that actually enables us to change. I'm not the changer. I just have to cooperate so that he can help me to change. I mean, all of our strength and all of our, uh, you know, our, our whatever you want to call it, that internal fortitude is limited. But when the person of the Holy Spirit begins to come in and help me, he is empowering me now to change. And so it's a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Like Holy Spirit, I realize, I recognize that I can't do anything about fill in the blank. But with you, anything can happen and anything can change because I want my life to glorify God. And I know that that's your goal. If you really want to know what the goal of the Holy Spirit is, it's that our lives would glorify God. 
And so that's the reason that he came to help. We've talked about this in the last number of weeks now. And so... I've been uh, sharing this idea, this thought with you as well, is that we're empowered to be, not just to do. Sometimes if we're not careful, we will put our doing for God ahead of our being who he's created us to be as a new creation in Christ. And so it's an identity. And the thing is, is that if you know who you are, then you will know what to do. The problem is, is that many times people are asking God, what do I need to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he said, you need to figure out who you are in Christ first. And this is so important. It's an identity thing because it's who I am, not just what I do. This is different than just behaviors. This is who I am. It's like when I do mess up, when you mess up, I don't have to run away afraid from God being like, oh, dang, I screwed up again. No, the Bible says that I can come boldly to the throne of God. Why? Because I understand that I'm not a servant, that I'm a son. And a son has different position than a servant. So I I don't care how bad I've screwed up. I'm going to call my dad. Why? Because... We've got a good relationship. And the problem is that many people, many times, can have a negative view of God. Let me remind you of a scripture that says, it's the goodness of God that draws us to him. Not the judgment. Not the holiness. No, those things, those are facts. Those things are true. But it's his goodness that draws us to him. So we have no reason to be afraid. But if we don't know who we are, we will be afraid. But if I know who I've been made to be in Christ. And so it's important that we need to know who we are. See, God has to do a work in us first. He works from the inside and then goes outward. And so many times we want to make it about the outward. So you would be better off to spend more time asking the Holy Spirit to work in your heart than you would to ask the Holy Spirit to work on your behaviors. And so many times we can spend our prayer saying, God, help me watch my mouth. Where does the abundance of the mouth come from? From the spirit, from the heart. So I don't need to watch my mouth as much as I need to watch my heart. Right? I mean, this is what scripture teaches. And this is why identity is so important. And understanding the work and the help of the Holy Spirit. He works on the inside of me. And then all of this external will take care of itself as I allow the Holy Spirit to work on my heart. Let me give you another example. Like, Lord, help, you know, help me with my anger. Well, okay, let's talk about the anger. Why are you angry? And the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls him a counselor. Well, you're angry because you're bitter because you got hurt. So we can't get rid of the anger until we get rid of the bitterness that was caused by the hurt. And God wants to deal with the hurt that will take care of the anger. But it's the Holy Spirit who can help you walk that process out. See, again, we're praying that God would take care of the anger, but that's not the problem. That's the symptom. The symptoms of the heart. And so the Holy Spirit always deals with our heart first. The behaviors will follow when he works in our heart. And so this is so important. In John 15 verse 5, Jesus speaking. And he says, as you live in union with me as your source, as you're plugged into me, he says, fruitfulness will stream from within you. 
Week after week, I've been kind of highlighting that word within, in. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us to work out of us. He doesn't just come on us external. It's internal. So fruitfulness will flow from within you. He says, but when you live separated from me, apart from me, you are powerless. Now, Jesus did not make this statement to discourage us. Quite the opposite. He did it so that we would know how to be powerful. How the, let me say it another way. He said it so that we would know how to not be powerless. He said it so that we would know how we can actually overcome in our life the circumstances, the situations, the things that would try to come against us. He's giving us a key here, but we can actually take it to the negative and be like, well, without God, I just can't do anything. Okay, that's true. But what's the flip side of that? With God, all things are possible. That means that there's nothing that I face, there's nothing that comes upon me, that comes into my life, that I cannot handle with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, people quote that verse all the time. It's like, well, you know, the Lord won't lay anything on you that you can't handle. How many of you ever heard that verse? And you're like, let's be honest. How many of you have been like, Lord, this feels like too much. I'm tapping out. In light of the full counsel of Scripture... Nothing will come upon me that I can't handle with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because there's lots of things that I can't handle. That I have to go and just, Lord help. That's all I got. Just help me. I don't have some pretty polished prayer. I'm a mess and I don't know what to do and I need you to help me. And the Holy Spirit says, that's what I'm here for. I'm glad you invited me. Thanks for the invitation. I can come in now. And so this is the meaning of the scripture because, and I hold to this with every fiber of my being, is that I believe that God wants to do something great through every single person. But God first has to do something great on the inside of us. He has to do something great on the inside of us first. And so I want to, because I realize we've had some more things happening this week. And I realize that some of you may be a little weary and a little tired. And here we are talking about this series. It's for these moments. This is why we're teaching you this. You know, I've learned a, 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 a term that I had never heard through all of the disaster of the last year, which was a blue sky day. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, you need to prepare on the good days because a bad day's coming. Right? Well, we've been trying to teach over the last, whatever, this is week five or six or whatever it is. While the things have been okay. Because when the storm hits, and it may not be a natural storm. It may not be a hurricane. It may not be a flood. It may not be a tornado. It may not be any of these things. It may not be a relational storm. But things are going to happen. But how do I keep from it crushing me? One time, in the spur of a moment, I did an illustration when I was a youth pastor. And I took a 12-ounce can of Coke, 12 ounces, three-quarters of one pound, and I set it on the floor. And I stood on top of it, all 200 pounds of me, on top of three-quarters of one pound. And guess what didn't happen? The can was not crushed by my weight. Why? Because the pressure being exerted on it from the outside was not greater than the pressure on the inside. 
I should have done that this morning because I don't think y'all believe me. <laughs> Jerry, can you go find me a 12-ounce Coke of can of some sort? Y'all don't even believe me, do you? I'll do it again. I don't care. But what happens is that many times we feel the weight of the world come upon us and we just, we forget about who we are when all the pressure comes. No, that's the time that we need to press into the Lord more. Why? Because we need the pressure on the inside of us, the presence and the power of God on the inside of us to be greater than that what's on the outside of us. And this is so important. And so here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul, who if you go and look into his background just a little bit, he faced all kinds of Trials and tribulations, things much worse than I ever have by far. Um, you know, and so, but he makes this just amazing statement in spite of all that he has gone through. And I want you to hear this. He says, though, in verse 8, he says, though we experience every kind of pressure, though we experience, <clears throat> in other words, he's not talking theory here. He says, in my experience, <clears throat> I've had all kinds of pressure. But we are not crushed. At times, we don't even know what to do. But quitting is not an option. I love that. I just like that determination. I, I mean, I like it when people have some fight about them. And as Christians, we're going to have to have some fight about us. Why? Because people are watching. People want to see how you handle adversity. And they want to see if you handle it differently than they do. It's actually part of our testimony. And it says that at times we don't even know what we should do, but quitting's not an option. So if I don't know what to do and quitting's not an option, where do I go? Right? And he says, and he goes on, he begins to list a few things. He says, we're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. He says, we may be knocked down, but we are not out. Proverbs says that a righteous man, though he falls, will get back up. It's not that we don't get knocked down, we just rise. We don't stay down. It says we continually share in the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the resurrection life of Christ will be revealed through our humanity. I really like that part. That the resurrection power, the same power the Bible says in Romans, the same power that raised Christ from the dead that brought life to a dead body in a grave is the same power that will quicken and strengthen and empower even my physical body. I mean, I just talked about this, is it? I know that many of you may be tired in this moment, but I'm telling you, there's the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that if you will just take a moment and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm tired and I need some help, he will help. In a very practical way. I mean, I've prayed and had to pray before because I got so little sleep. I'm like, Lord, I have no energy left and I need some help today because I've got more to do than I have the energy to do it. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead, dead will what? Quicken even my physical body. It's a promise from Scripture. I'm not making it up. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14, it says this. It says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? 
See, what the enemy would love to do is to take what we've experienced and what we've walked through and the pressures of life and all of these things, and he doesn't just want them to come upon us. He really wants them to get in us. He wants what? The pressure to crush our spirit. Because when he crushes our spirit, we no longer have the ability to believe or the hope to trust God with our faith to see God work. He wants it to get in us, not just a flood on the outside. He wants to flood us on the inside with fear and anxiety and worry and and what if and all of these different things that he's trying to, what, to get us to throw in the towel. That's his goal. Ooh, I got two. I'm not standing on two because I'll definitely fall. Oh, in case one's faulty. A man of great faith here. Maybe I should stand on both. Now let's hope that my balance is as good as it used to be. There you go. The first time I did it, I had not planned it. And I literally ran out of the pulpit when grabbed a Coke and came right back and sat on the ground. It worked. Praise the Lord. So there's my illustration for you. So it actually does still work. Praise God. That would be bad, wouldn't it? I just bragged about it. And then Coke goes everywhere. No, but see, let me give you another example of this. Proverbs 18, verse 14. Jerry, thank you for grabbing that for me. That, uh, but in the Passion Translation where it says, who can bear a crushed spirit? It says that depression crushes our courage and leaves us unable to cope. Now, I'm speaking from experience when I make this statement. So please do not feel like I'm judging you. As a Christian, we should not live in a place of depression. I'm not saying that we will never experience it. I'm speaking from experience. Please hear me. Doesn't mean that I don't get overwhelmed. Doesn't mean that I may not know how to cope. But here's the trick. I know where to go. And I know where to turn in those moments. And again, please hear me. I, I'm not saying this in judgment. Because I've had seasons of my life and even years of my life that I've had to face this thing that we call depression, the weight and the anxieties of life. I get it more than I would probably like to acknowledge. But this is what I have found is that when I can go to the Lord and I can allow him to what strengthen me on the inside... I can overcome everything on the outside. And so it is about learning how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Paul made this statement in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. And I would encourage you to even pray this over yourself. Especially if you may be somebody who's dealing with oppression, depression. If you're overwhelmed, if you have anxieties all the time. Pray this over yourself. Paul says, and he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God's unlimited glorious resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through or by his spirit. That God who is unlimited will empower you. He will strengthen you so you don't have to be weak. You don't have to be vulnerable. 
And this is more than just a mental connection and said, well, I'm stronger than I think I am. No, God on the inside of you is stronger than you think he is. And that's the connection that has to be made. So he says that from his unlimited resources, he will empower you. The Amplified Bible says this, that he's indwelling your innermost being and personality. That he will indwell. That he will come in and fill you up with his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And I like how it adds that it'll even change your personality. Because by nature, I'm a pessimist. I'm a glass half empty guy. Do I have any friends in the house? But you know what I have found is that sometimes it is hard to live by faith seeing the glass half empty. Because there comes discouragement. And so I have to do what? I have to choose to live by faith and I declare those things that I see as to what I cannot see. By faith, I'm going to take hold of the promises of God that my natural realm says something different. Well, how do I live in that place? The Holy Spirit has to remind me, don't go negative. See, the Holy Spirit is so practical. He's not mystical, he's practical. And we need to understand that is that he will help us in very practical ways. And there are times that my analytical, pessimistic mind can get in the way of what God wants to do. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I need to hear his voice to stir up the faith on the inside of me to believe God. Now, Paul, we're going to jump back into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 here. Now, I would encourage you to go read kind of the in-between parts, but just for the sake of time, because we read verses uh, 8 and 10. We're going to read verses 16, 17, and 18. Now, just go read the in-between section here. But... He goes, he picks up here and he says, this is why we never give up. So remember, he said a moment ago that quitting's not an option. And now he's about to tell us why. This is why we never give up. He says, though our bodies are dying or they're being tried, he says, our spirits are being renewed every day. Coming to church once a week's not enough for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every day that ends in a Y, you need the Holy Spirit. How about that? <laughs> If you can find a day without a why, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You can take a pass on that day. Last time I checked, even leap the 29th of February still ends in a day and why. It says here that every day our spirits are being renewed. Every day. It says for our present troubles are small. Well, Paul, go back and read your own list right here. That doesn't sound too small. You shipwrecked, left for the dead, whipped, all these things, it's like, nah, these are small trials. Apparently, Paul had a different definition of small than me. And he says, but they won't last very long. He says, yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. He says, so don't look at the troubles that we see now. He says, rather, fix your gaze, fix your focus, fix your attention on things that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. He says, rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Remember earlier when I was talking about how to not grieve the Holy Spirit? And I'm talking about our heart. 
the work that the Holy Spirit does in our heart is eternal. It's more than just being nice today. It's eternal. It's spiritual. It has life way beyond this life. I've shared this thought with you before, but I want to remind you of this. Is that being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than anybody else. But it absolutely, 100% makes me better than me. So we should never have this spiritual arrogance about who we are because of what we have. As a matter of fact, it's a responsibility, not a privilege. And we treat it like a privilege when according, and I'm going to show you this here in just a moment, that actually having the presence and the fullness of the Holy Spirit is now a responsibility that we have to go into once we, and again, once we know who we are, we will know what to do. When I know that I'm saved, when I know that, I'm, that God has uh, saved my soul, has redeemed me, has paid my price, has done all of those things, and I know who I am in Christ, now I have responsibility. Salvation is free. Living for God will cost you. It will. I mean, I'll never stand up here and just say, God's going to take care of everything, and you're going to live a perfect, peaceful, just blessed life. Number one, because my experience tells me differently, but I don't live off of my experience. The Word of God tells me that I'm going to face some things. But it says, hey, don't be discouraged. There's strength on the inside of you. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. We'll read this out of the message translation. So we're going to kind of shift gears here for a moment. So I've been talking because I know some of you may be weary and tired and, and maybe even a little disgruntled. Let's just be honest. Like, God, okay, this is not funny. It's not fair. Like, we're over it. I know none of you have thought that this week. And so I've been sharing some things with you because you're stronger than you realize. But it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And sometimes you just got to take a moment and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you to strengthen me. If there's something getting in the way of that happening, show me. You're my teacher, you're my guide, help me to walk this out. So what happens when we get strong? What about when we're in a good place? Because you can be like this little Coke can that can handle all the pressure, and that's great for you and your family. Now you have responsibility. And here in Romans chapter 15, it picks up this thought, and it says, Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Again, we're not strong for... We thought that might happen. We weren't sure. It, it's an auto timer. It just rolls. So, so it says that we're to lend a hand who would falter. So what? So if we're strong, it's not for a place of spiritual arrogance. It's actually a responsibility to serve. Yeah. See, here's the thing. The more that we mature in God, the more the expectations come. The more that we develop... In other words, I'm not just trying to live my best life. I'm trying to help everybody live God's life. I'm not just focused on myself. It says those who are strong and able in the faith need to step in, to step up. Lend a hand to those who falter. Don't judge. Help. Help. 
right? It says, and, it says, and not just do what's most convenient for us. I hate that part of that scripture, but it's there. <laughs> Don't just do what's most convenient. I love this part. I've highlighted it on the screen. Strength is for service, not status. Strength, the presence of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is for service, not status. Not so that we can be somebody, not so that people look at us and be like, man, whoo. If I could just be like them, I don't want anybody to be like me. I want them to be like Jesus. I'm a terrible savior, horrible. And in fact, so are you. I don't want anybody following me. I want him following Jesus. So even in our strength, as we have to understand that the strength that God puts on the inside of us is for service. It goes on and says, each one of us needs to look, at the, or look after the good of people around us, always asking ourselves, how can I help? It says that's exactly what Jesus did. He, make, he didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waited right in and helped out. He says, I looked on the troubles of the troubled is the way the, stri- the scriptures put it. See, at some point, we have to make the determination and we have to grow because spiritually growing, spiritually maturing is a process and it does take time and we have to be developed. But we also have to make a decision as part of that. Are we strictly a consumer of the work of the Holy Spirit? Are we a partner with the Holy Spirit? Which, which one are we going to be? See, we have to be focused on what we are called to be because out of that being will produce some good works. See, good works does not get you to heaven. Only the cross of Christ gets you to heaven. But what good works will do is that the Bible says that when I stand before the Lord, I want to have an ocean of people standing there saying, his good works pointed me to Jesus. It doesn't get me anything better in heaven But I, I, I want to use my life up in the service of others, loving other people, leading them to Jesus. See, the Bible says, and, and, with, and just for the sake of time, I don't really have time to turn to the scriptures, but it says this, is that we're the visible image of an invisible God. Colossians says this. It's either 115 or 215. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's one of those. One or two. I think it's one, but it might be chapter two. Not quite sure in the moment. I didn't write it down. That's what happened. Now, even the word, think about the word represent. It's a two-part word. Re-present. Present again. You may be the only Jesus that some people see. And so, you're not... You, you, yes, you are representing him, but you are actually presenting him for the first time to some people. And when they see you, they're going to see love. When they see you, they're going to see acceptance. They're going to sense that. And, and so when we do these things and we're representing Christ so that it would influence and affect other people so that their hearts would turn to the Lord, 
That's when we're the most like Jesus. Jesus said, look, I didn't come to serve or to be served. I came to serve and to lay my life down. That's the example of Jesus. Not just when it's always just easy and convenient for us. Let me wrap it up with this today. It's one last scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. It'll be on the screens for you. But he says, my divinely loved friends. He says, since you are a resident aliens and foreigners in this world. How many of you know that you're no longer a part of this world system? The Bible says that we've been separated out. We are the people of God. We're followers of Christ. And this is no longer our home. Let me say another. This is no longer our hope. This world is not our hope. Nothing in this world is our hope. All of the things that people put their hope in. There's nothing wrong with retirement. But some people's hope is in that account. Wherever it may be. Bank account, stock account, whatever. We live in turbulent times. I mean, we do. I mean, I don't know if y'all heard this. This week, the weather station, Weather Channel, called Lake Charles the most weather-battered city in the United States. That's a great distinction to have. Thank you so much. Isn't that just so hope-filling? Don't you just feel better? Like, it's like, ah, like, our hope is not here. See, I've got to keep my hope focused where it needs to be because if I'm looking at the natural circumstance and situation, I will become distressed and depressed and weighed down. No, I'm like a, a, a foreigner in this world. He says, I appeal to you to divorce yourself from the evil desires that wage war within. Evil desires that wage war on the inside. See, sometimes we're so focused on the external and the enemies, it's like he's flanking us. If you don't know what flanking is, it's a military move. Okay? So you have opposition, you have your army. You bring your your armies up like this to distract Flanking means that you send a smaller crew around the side and they come and get you from behind. I have a question for you this morning. Is the enemy flanking you with some natural storms while he's coming around the backside and getting to your heart? Is is he coming in and you're looking at what's right in front of you, not paying attention to what's happening inside of you? Because here it says that there are evil desires. Like, can I just be like super raw? Is that okay? Now, I know the area that we live and I realize what I'm about to say could be offensive. But there are many people that will cope right now with alcohol. And guess what? When they get sober, they have the same problem. And your coping mechanism may not be alcohol. It may be something else. The problem when you cope that way, the problem stays the same if it doesn't get worse. 
there's a way that we can cope with our problems as believers. It is the power and the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And it will change our situations and it will change our circumstances. And even if it doesn't change the circumstances, it changes me. It keeps me and it holds me secure in that moment. Because I want to be what the Bible calls as an overcomer. And actually, it doesn't even say we're overcomers. It says that we're more than an overcomer. See, the series that we're doing, I'll go ahead and tell you about it a little bit here. Because I didn't intend for this. But the series in June is called Even If. God, even if. Even if my prayer doesn't get answered, even if things don't go the way I think, even if another storm comes, I've already determined in my heart that I'm serving you. Even if, even if, I don't care about the trial, I don't care about the storm, even if. Doesn't matter. I've already, I mean, I have this conviction on the inside of me that I live. I don't live by my circumstances, I live by the convictions of my heart. My circumstances can lie to me, but my God on the inside, he will never lie. He will never leave. He will never forsake, even if God shows up in the middle of the fire. Right in the middle of our mess, God steps in. See, we want to say, God, deliver us from the fire, deliver us from the fire, deliver us from the fire. And God says, I'm in the fire. Now, I got to stop there. I'm going to start preaching. Because it would be easy for me to go there. Just a little plug. Coming in June. Coming soon. Paul gives us a warning. I'm sorry. Peter gives us a warning here. He says, I appeal to you to divorce yourself from evil desires. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do away with it. Push it away. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know that this is waging war on my soul. These evil desires, these these evil things on the inside, that they want to wage a war on the inside. And he gives us instructions and says to live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Catch that. 2 Corinthians says, come out from among them, be separate, all this stuff. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Well, that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Not as you grow, it's not. There are some things when you first come to the Lord, you need to just cut off and just can't go there. Can't can't be in that place, can't be with those folks, can't whatever. But as I learn who I am in Christ, God may call me right back into the same place he called me out of. What I have found is that the place that you are the most broken is also the place that God will use you the most powerfully. Like, well, how is that? Because you understand, because there's compassion in that part of your heart and of your life. It's like earlier when I talked about depression. I know what it's like to be depressed, and I know what it's like to not be able to get free, and I know what it's like to deal with thoughts that just come and come and come and come and come. And so I have a lot of compassion. Why? Because it's, I understand. 
So it says that we're to live honorable lives, to live godly lives as we mix with unbelievers. It says, even though they accuse you of being evildoers, even though they lie about you, even though they trash you, even though they, they say all kinds of things that aren't true, goes on, it says, for they will see your beautiful works and they will have a reason to glorify God the day that he visits us. As people see your lifestyles, they see the way that you live, the way that they sense the way that you treat them, that you love them and you don't judge them, even when they're nasty. Some people are just nasty people, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just call it what it is. Some people just ain't nice. Well, how do you overcome that with love? Love believes the best of every person. I can't see it, but I'm going to believe it anyways. God, there's something redeemable in there. There's got to be. No, we want to, what, live lives out loud. Not with our words. Words are necessary at times. But if all we do is give words, there's never any action. It's like the boy who cries wolf, right? Like, I'm not believing you. You're like every other Christian I know. You're like every other experience I've ever had. You talk real good, you just don't do it. Well, the doing is not the goal. The doing will come, but we've got to be first. We've got to know who the Holy Spirit is. And so I want to encourage you, my last thought, I already shared it with you. It's a little bit of a change to it, is that we're empowered to be, but it's so we can go out and do. We're empowered to be so that we can go. We don't want to just go to go. I mean, we're about to be serving lunch to some people. We're serving several thousand meals a day right now. It's an awesome opportunity to love on people. But if all we do is give them a meal, that's good and it will feed their body. But guess what? They're going to be hungry at dinner time. What about praying with people in line though? I mean, I had a lady yesterday. I prayed with her two days ago, three days ago. Son was in a wreck, all these things. She's bawling, you know. She came through yesterday smiling, getting my attention. Hey, thank you for praying for me. I appreciate it. I feel so much better. Thank you for just taking a moment. It would have been a lot easier just take and shove the bag in the window and walk away. But stop and pray, right? And just something so simple. It was just kind of a real quick moment in my day, about 60 seconds. But it made her day. Big difference. And that's the way God wants to use us. And so today, I want you to know the Holy Spirit's available to you. You don't have to be powerless. You don't have to feel out of control. You don't have to feel like you have no help or no hope. The very Spirit of God on the inside of you wants to work. He wants to empower you from the inside. So I want to pray this morning over you before we dismiss. Because I know that some of you are tired and some of you are weary and some of you got a lot on your plate. And it may have nothing to do with the flood. It may have nothing to do with this last week. Maybe things that are totally not connected at all. The Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit. And he still wants to move upon our hearts. And he'll bring strength to you and life to you. And he'll bring joy to you. In spite of circumstances. 
Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I just thank you right now for all those who are in this room, those who are online this morning. Father, I thank you that whatever the need is this morning in this room, Father, you know the need of every heart, of every person, of everything that's weighing on us and heavy on us today. Father, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to fill us up so that we can be better than ourselves. We can be stronger than ourselves. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you in today. Father, I thank you for those who are discouraged. I thank you, Father, that your hope would rise in their hearts. Father, even those who may be physically weary today, Father, I declare that just as the Word of God tells us that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of them. Father, I thank you that you're strengthening them even physically right now. Father, I thank you that you are the God over all that we know, all that we see. Father, that we trust you and we look to you for our hope and our strength and, and our life and our joy. You know, all of this begins with a relationship with God, and that starts with accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life. That's where, you know, I talked about um, that living for the Lord is a process of time. And, you know, we get saved in a moment, but we experience salvation over time. It's called the process of sanctification. But sanctification can't happen until you know who you are. And there has to come a point where you surrender your heart to the Lord. It's what we call being saved. What it means is that I'm no longer in charge. And another way to say it, I'm no longer responsible for my life. I'm going to let Jesus be in charge of my life. And I'm going to let him be responsible for it. And so it's, it's giving him authority in your life. It's acknowledging that, hey, I'm, I'm messed up. And I'm sinful and I need somebody to pay for my sins because I don't want to. Trust me, you don't want to pay for your sins. And the good news is, is that you don't have to. Jesus already did. So the Bible says that to be saved is not complicated. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. That Jesus did what he said he would do. That he was a man who walked perfect on the earth died on a cross and paid for our sins. He was resurrected from the grave so that we could live as well. His resurrection is our resurrection. That's the story of the gospel in a nutshell. But it's a surrender thing. It's just saying, God, I surrender to you. And so I'm going to lead you in just a brief prayer here. And if you're here today or if you're online, you say, man, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. It's simple. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the room here to pray with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus came for me. That he paid the price for all of my sins. And I thank you that I'm forgiven right now. That my sins no longer have a hold on me. But I'm free to be who you've called me to be. And Father, I thank you for your spirit living on the inside of me, filling me up that I can handle everything that comes my way. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.